You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We do have a recording in progress. It's Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Special guest with us. He joins us during football season on Mondays, and it is now officially sort of football season. Tonight, if you turn on your TV on NBC, you'll get to see some man named like, well, I forgot the Jags backup quarterback name. It's not important. He played at Oregon State. I don't remember his name now, but he's going to go up against Jarrett Stenham, former MCC legend. That's a very, very inside baseball joke, but Jarrett Stenham was at Baylor. He had to transfer because of the whole Art Bryles thing. And then he spent one year at McLennan Community College, which does not have a football program. And then he went to Auburn. And he was really, like, aggressively mid his entire career. But people convinced themselves that he was a pro quarterback. So now he's with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, anyway, Matt Jennings is here on the show with us, which is fun. <laughs> and we're going to talk TCU football together. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I am good. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm excited as well that we are on the precipice of having real-ish football to talk about. Yeah. We're talking TCU football. It's a new season. And, Matt, I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about um, Sonny Dykes and his first year, his first campaign. And I wanted to ask you to start this quarterback battle. Max Duggan, Chandler Morris. There's been a lot of talk about it, a lot of discussion. Um, They are still trading first-team reps. Uh, Sonny Dykes was like, it seemed like in media days, he was kind of like, yeah, we're going to make a decision a couple weeks before the season. And then when fall camp opened, he was sort of like, oh, well, I don't know. We'll kind of see how it goes. Um, I'm still hopeful, though, and optimistic that we'll have some more clarity soon, but what are your thoughts? I mean, I know we, we don't get to go to practice all the time, but what are your thoughts about just kind of from afar how this could play out and some of the uh, possibilities with either of these guys taking the reins this year? Yeah, I think the I think the ceiling for either of these guys as a passer is much higher in a Sunny Dex offense. So there's that. It's going to be better <laughs> regardless. I do think, you know, I think just Chandler Morris makes the most sense as a long-term solution. I think he really fits exactly what a Sonny Dykes air raid adjacent offense looks like um, with his playing style, with um, his accuracy. So to, to Sonny Dykes' comments from media days, I think he understands and, and most coaches would agree that it makes the most sense. Like you can have a competition for a little bit of, of preseason camp and then you want the first team guy to really get as many of those reps before you open the season, especially in TCU's case, if Tarleton state was game was game one, maybe they'd let it drag on a little bit longer, but since you're going on the road for your, for your first non-conference game against a power five opponent in Colorado, maybe a future conference uh, opponent, who knows? Um, but um, uh, since you're, you're going on the road for a, for a non-conference game, um, to start the season, you probably want to have that position a little bit more squared away and, and, and give that guy as many, as many reps as possible. So I would lean toward, I think that what Sunny Dykes originally said will be closer to what we end up seeing that, you know, they'll let the competition play out and then maybe they get through their first, um, 
um, uh, their first kind of stage of practices and they kind of make some roster decisions about the depth chart. And then they really like let those, those guys who are going to be in the first team, not just quarterback, but all the positions. And I do think that will end up being Chandler. I just think he, like I said, he fits what Dykes wants to do on offense really, really well mm-hmm. in terms of his playing style and his accuracy. But, um, uh, you know, I've been wrong many times before. So we'll see what happens. There's a ton of excitement around this offense in general. Uh, and the wide receiver group is one of the big reasons as to why. And it's sort of a funky thing because it's not like you have a guy coming back who's had over a thousand yards the previous season or just necessarily tore it up, even though Quentin Johnson definitely did that at times. But you got some potentially really good outside receivers and Quentin Johnson and Quincy Brown. Um, you know, maybe Savion Williams put some things together this year. There's some exciting guys on the inside, Darius Davis, Tay Barber maybe uh, Gunnar Henderson as well. I know he's made a lot of big plays in the spring and the fall. And that's not even mentioning dudes like, you know, Blair Conright, um, who's made some big catches over the course of his career, or Jordan Hudson, who's coming in as a freshman and might have a chance to make uh, some waves. So how excited are you to sort of see that group unleashed? And, And we'll get to more big picture in a second, but unleashing an offense that, you would think is going to be more tailor-made to getting the ball to their playmakers on a more consistent basis. I think this is maybe the position group that I'm most excited about, um, which partially because of what we know, but also because of what we don't, we know it. We know what TCU has with Quentin Johnston, to your point. Um, He's a star. Um, And the fact he he was first team all big 12 last season with only like 600 yards. Most of that was just because everyone watched him play just absolutely sun people uh, against Oklahoma. And they were like, okay, Mm -hmm. just this guy's, (laughs) this guy's for real. And so uh, the idea of him getting targets on a more consistent basis, but also in ways that make sense. That's the thing that I'm excited about for all, like for this receiver group is they're going to get the ball, in the open field, right? TCU, I think their passing game over the last few years has been more conservative in the sense of not just not passing often, which I don't think is necessarily always the case, but it was the case that they were really selective with where they were throwing the ball. They were throwing outside the numbers predominantly. They were throwing like fades, they're throwing screens. They're really trying to throw like low risk, low possibility for turnover passing patterns and so Quentin Johnson was like okay let's throw a jump ball to you on the outside once a drive and if we get a big play out of it great if not then we'll punt and we'll 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 try something else and um and I I would expect in this offense and Chris Hummer wrote about this for 24-7 sports um he's he's moved over to the x receiver position where he's going to be doing more posts and more digs and deep crossing patterns and out routes and just like more stuff that's predicated on like short area quickness and getting him the ball in space which is super exciting because the idea of like oh quentin johnson a six foot three 210 pound whatever it is um behemoth uh with the ball and with a full head of steam and open space is terrifying if you're a defender and very exciting if you're a fan and so i'm excited to see him do that but also just for all these other players who just you know haven't gotten a chance to really spread the field and get the ball in open space and make defenders miss. That's exactly what guys like Darius Davis and Tate Barber and like the incoming guys like Jordan Hudson and DJ Allen and major Everhart. Um, they have so much um, 
they just have so much talent that I think will be better utilized in this scheme. Um, and they're going to spread the ball around a lot and all these guys are going to get a chance to shine. Um, if, if at least if uh, Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley's time at SNU is any indication. So that should, that's energizing and exciting provided that again, you've got consistent quarterback play and that your offensive line can, can protect that guy. So we've talked a lot the past couple of years and I feel like we, really dug into it more last year, but sort of this internal conflict that was happening. And I don't think it was necessarily intentional on the offensive staff's part, but because Jerry kill was head coach of the offense, special assistant, whatever, you know, you want to call his title. Um, and he had a distinct philosophy, like coming from big 10 country, running the ball, staying ahead of the chains, trying to um, sort of dominate the clock. And then you had Doug Meacham, who was who was an air raid guy. And it seemed like those two things were kind of at war and the offense was trying to do a lot of different stuff and none of it really well. So Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes, they're on the same page. They have a, a clear vision that they've, you know, taken, that they've done at SMU. Sonny Dykes has done it at La Tech and Cal and other places. Um, how much does that help? just the offense as a whole as they move forward here into a new scheme, having some more continuity along the offensive coaching staff, at least as we presume that's going to happen. I think that's, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that elevates this team. If, if they do elevate, there's, there's question marks, but the biggest opportunity for this team to kind of elevate in 2022, because here's the thing. I'm not married to like one offensive philosophy or another. Like I think we've seen lots of teams. We saw Baylor last year. Um, you don't have to throw the ball 50 times a game to win in the big 12. You don't. Um, and Oklahoma state, the other team in the big 12 title game, like those were not teams that were like uh, the stereotype of what you think of big 12 aired out kind of teams that you have seen over the years with guys like Baker Bayfield and Patrick Mahomes and, uh, Brandon Whedon and, and Mason Rudolph and, and those guys. Um, so you're not, you're not beholden to that if you want to win in the big 12, but regardless of what your style is, whether you're Jeff Grimes, whether you're Garrett Riley, whatever it is, you want to, you want there to be agreement among the coaching staff on what you want your identity to be. And then you want to recruit to that identity. And that's to your point, like what TCU was not doing over the past few years. They had, um, whether it was Doug Meacham or Sonny Cumbie, uh, play callers who came from the air raid tree and who were recruiting air raid personnel from a receiver standpoint and a running, and running back standpoint and a quarterback. But then they had a head coach and then a, a special assistant to the head coach who wanted to control the clock and wanted to do the opposite of pace and space. And of course, Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham aren't going to do well in that environment. Of course, the offense is not going to make sense in that environment. And so, heck, if Sonny Dykes had brought in, um, you know, somebody who was like, we're going to line up in a, you know, in an I formation on every play, but he was committed to that philosophy and they brought in the personnel to do it then that can work, but you got to be all on the same page. And so I think to your point, like that's the thing that gives this team an opportunity to actually like take a significant step forward is that like everyone is going to be to use a, like, not to just be cliche, but everyone's going to be on the same page. Everyone's going to be in agreement. They're going to run 
um, an air raid influenced style for real. They're going to go, uh, they're going to go four receivers wide. A lot of the time they're going to, you know, th- throw the ball. They're going to use the full width of the field in the passing game and they're going to go up tempo and they're going to give the quarterback easy throws and they're going to get their athletes, the ball in space at running back and receiver and tight end. And that's going to be consistently what they're doing rather than having uh, a group of coaches that were like, I would like to go up tempo and I would like to throw the ball around. And another group of coaches that say, I would like to win the time possession battle. And I would like to run the ball between the tackles and, and, and just be constantly butting heads over and over again, which was at least my perception of what the situation was over the last few years. So um, all that to say, I, I do think it'll be an, an, a huge net positive, even if there's going to be bumps in the road this season, again, with whether that's a quarterback or the offensive line or just learning a new scheme, um, there's going to be opportunities for, for mistakes and, and, and bumps in the road. But on the whole, I'm excited to just like everyone, like it's a coherent philosophy that everyone's in agreement on what it should be. For sure. Uh, we spent some time discussing, we had some conversations early in the Dykes era when he was hired. And one of the things we were excited about was his coaching staff. And Rashad Samples was a big part of that. Now, unfortunately, he gets an NFL job with the Rams, so he leaves. Um, they replace him with Anthony Jones, running backs coach at Memphis, who is also known as a really good recruiter. And uh, defensive line coach Chidera Uzo Dribe, he was at uh, TCU. He goes to Georgia. They replace him with Jamarcus McFarlane, who was at SFA. Spent like had a cup of coffee with LaTeX. Um, also brought in Aaron Hodges from Louisville to sort of make up some of the slack that Coach Samp was leaving on the recruiting front. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens when they actually hit the field, but it does seem like, Matt, one of the strengths for Coach Dykes is that he really is able to identify young assistant coaches who can come on staff and make a huge impact. And they've had some momentum on the recruiting trail lately. Um, this coaching staff seems pretty formidable going into – you know, the first season in, in the Coach Dykes era? I would definitely agree. I think, I mean, it's a testament to to Dykes that he put together a staff that immediately got poached by the defending national champion and an NFL team in, in with uh, Chidera and, and Samples, respectively. Um, and then immediately went out and, and found some other guys in, uh, in Anthony Jones's case, a guy who's, you know, helped develop like five NFL draft books at running back. And so, um, and Garrett Riley as well, like to not to, not to bear the lead, you know, he's a, um, uh, Rhett Lashley leaves SMU to go to, to go to Miami and you could argue that they were better under Garrett Riley over the last couple seasons. And now they bring him over from SMU as well. So, and now of course, Rhett Lash is the head coach at SMU. So that'll be fun to see those guys head go head ahead uh, early on this season. But um, between those folks and the guys that he retained, you know, I said following Patterson's exit, if there were coaches that I would definitely emphasize retaining, it would have been Malcolm Kelly and Paul Gonzalez. And those are the guys that they kept um, both from a recruiting perspective and a talent development perspective, Malcolm Kelly helping guys like Quentin Johnston develop and also getting them in the door. Paul Gonzalez with his um, uh, history recruiting and, and, and finding talent at, at corner and safety. Um, I'm really interested in this group of guys that, uh, that Sunny Dex has brought together. And, you know, it's, it, you know, it's all sunshine and, and, and 
everybody's everything's copacetic before you play a single game, but at least thus far um, on paper, right. Paper tigers to use, <laughs> to use the expression that Gary Patterson always loved every I, I'm, I'm excited about the staff moves that he has made thus far. And, you know, we'll see how they, you know, that's cliche. It, it, we'll see how it pans out, but thus far, I think the moves have, have um, been positive and been promising. So defensively, I mean, I won't pretend to be like a big Joe Gillespie stand before I found out that he was taking the defensive coordinator job. I could not have told you the DC was at Tulsa. Um, but I mean, he's young, he has a, high, a Texas high school football background. He runs a three, three, five, which is a pretty popular scheme among big 12 teams right now. Um, or at least the three down lineman front is a, a popular um, situation right now with big 12 teams have to execute, have to make it work. But Matt, just overall, I mean, the secondary looks pretty strong. I know there's some questions about the D line and linebacker about how it shakes out. Um, one thing though, that we talked about before we got on, I don't think people have really watched TCU football lately, like outside of the TCU bubble which totally makes sense. Like, I understand why they haven't been very good, but there's this thought of like, man, how are they going to replace a defensive genius? Which I understand like Gary was, that's what he did. And he did it at a high level for so many years, but like this defense was terrible last year. I mean, they were really, really bad. So could they still be a, a huge weakness? Yes. But I mean, I, I think there's a chance that this defense could, um, at least sort of stay at the same level or, or improve somewhat just based on some of the scheme changes that are being made and some, some of the new energy with the new staff. It will be hard for them to be worse on defense than they were last year. It's not impossible that they could be worse, but it would be, it would be difficult just because of what they were. And, and I agree with you. I think that is the thing that gives Gillespie kind of some grace in his first mm -hmm. season. Cause look, they'd have, they have not had time yet to recruit the personnel that really fits the kind of scheme that he wants to run. They don't have the depth or the size on the defensive line that they probably want. They probably don't have the depth at linebacker that they're going to want, um, or maybe not at every position at linebacker at least. And, um, and they're going to have to totally relearn uh, in a completely different scheme. Right. And so um, that's going to take time, but to your point, uh, he's not having to replace Gary Patterson's defense from say uh, 2017, 2018 with, uh, or, or 2014, right? Like some of the, some of Patterson's best defenses um, that were ever like all the, all the cogs fit together perfectly and everybody was in sync and just had a, like NFL draft picks at a bunch of different positions. Right. Um, that was a team that last year on defense was atrocious, just being quite honest. And so even if they, go through some growing pains, but they just improve a little bit, you know, improve a little bit against the run um, uh, and, and just don't get pushed around quite as bad as they did last year. Um, that alone, I think um, helps them improve. And then if you were to couple that with that step forward that we think is pretty easy to make on offense by comparison, um, you got the recipe for a, for a, a total team package that could be um, a lot better um, on the whole, um, as a, as a full team unit. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I think Gillespie benefits from that, from that kind of when he's coming in to replace Patterson, um, 
so and and then it's just a matter of will it be able to recruit the personnel that really fits their scheme it's been cool to kind of read like read up on what gillespie's kind of philosophy is on defense you know patterson's was very much about um you know shooting through gaps and creating tackles for loss creating negative plays and like creating three and outs really quickly and uh uh, Gillespie excuse me his philosophy like people keep talking about like that uh, the phrase of spill and kill where it's way less about the defensive line shooting through gaps and more about the def- those three uh, core defensive linemen like maintaining that that line of scrimmage and occupying and, and uh, filling those run lanes to where the running back has nowhere to go and thus has to spill to the outside where then the linebackers and the, and the safeties can come crashing downhill and, and, and make plays for, for short gains or no gains. So, you know, different philosophy, different approach. The big thing is, can they get their defensive line in a place where they can execute on that? Um, The good news for every single position group for them though, is that, I think it's going to be less complicated. You know, Gary, you know, had very, you know, he was very meticulous with his play calling and with his prep, but it meant that, you know, he asked a lot of his defenders and he asked them to do a bunch of different things. And just early reports coming from, and all the quotes that we've gotten from all the players thus far have been like, Hey, we're getting a chance to do something like, like simplify things a little bit and play faster. Um, And I think that ultimately, especially when you're learning a new scheme will probably be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. All right, before we get you out of here, Matt, over under six wins. Just let, let's fire away. Over under six wins for the TCU Horn Frogs this year. Over, over. Yeah. I think okay. over. Yeah, I'd say over two. I, I think seven is definitely possible, especially if you start the season three and oh, which means you got to beat SMU in Dallas, but hopefully they can get that done. I'm, I feel like seven or eight wins is very, maybe eight wins with a bowl game is extremely attainable, especially in a big 12 this year that is really in flux. Um, you obviously have Baylor, who's going to be a really, uh, who's, you know, the, the preseason favorite. Um, Oklahoma, for all their turnover, is still probably the most talented team in the league. Um, but beyond those two teams, Oklahoma State has some major um, has some major personnel losses and also losing Jim Knowles. Iowa State's got a bunch of turnover. I think they take a step back this year. Texas, I'll trust when they show that they deserve it. Um, so, you know, it, it, and Joe McGuire, you know, break a uh, new coach at Texas Tech. Like, there's a lot of new things throughout the league, and so I think a lot of teams are going to be trying to find their footing in the same way that TCU is. And so whichever one of those new teams can really kind of uh, strike fast and make early gains will be, uh, will probably have a chance to like mess around and be in the conference title hunt later than people maybe thought. I'm not predicting that necessarily for TCU, but I think they've got a chance to like win some more games than maybe they would in a year where there was more, there were more things solidified. He's Matt Jennings. He's the best there is. Insightful, smart, all those things. That was kind of um, a redundant series of words I put together. Anyway, we'll talk to him more during football season. I'm not insightful or smart. I'm Stephen Simcox, though. This is Locked On Orange Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day.